You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hardcore podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. And I'm Tom. I tried to remove some of the douche from my voice. Yeah, but then you remo- remove the energy from the the hardcore podcast. Uh, you have to be again. reminded every once in a while. You guys want to run it back? Let's run it back. Keep this all in. Let's run it back. Have you seen uh, uh, who uh, the goddamn Mrs. Doubtfire, Mork and Mindy, um, Robin Williams, Robin Williams, fucking god. Have you seen Robin Williams do that when he messes up a joke? And he just pulls it back. Does the yeah, yeah he, right, re- yep. he does a rewind, but he does it pretty effectively. Oh, it's uh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Uh, so, uh, Bob, well, you know, Bob, I feel bad because Pat's really been working hard at the mill. No. <laughs> and doesn't have the energy. His brain capacity is just getting effed up with all the, the, the steel grindings in his Listen, skin. Yeah, it's all the iron ore. Welcome. To Axe to Grind. And, and uh, here's where I'm going to mix it up. The Hardcore Podcast. The Hardcore Podcast? No, I wanted to punch podcast. Oh, you understand? All right, let's go. <laughs> Do it again. Welcome to Axe to Grind. The Hardcore... No, we're going to... The Hardcore <laughs> Podcast. Dude, you're in Albany. I can get there in like three hours. <laughs> I'm Patrick. I'm Bob. Tom. Oh, wow. Yeah, change up. <laughs> Guys, thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to Deathwish Inc. Thank you to Closed Casket Activities. Thank you to Run for Cover. Thank you to To Live a Lie. Today we're focusing on To Live a Lie and Run for Cover. Guys, um, I'm up in the random merch bonanza. First, you guys get to pick, am I going to Run for Cover or am I going to To Live a Lie? I'm going to say To Live a Lie. Okay, so we're going to to toliveali.com. Click on that web store. Additionally, I am selecting from their merch apparel section. They have sure to pull that up, Bob. No, no, I'll just do it random. You guys are basically picking my numbers for me, which is fun. Um, I'm going to shirts. There's 47 shirts. Wow. So there's 47 products, which they also do it by size. So it's not totally the same, but I like this um, because it'll be funny because it'll also add in a size element. Patrick picked the store. Tom, what number between 1 and 47? 45. 45. All right. I will be where- purchasing a in Okay, 47, 46, 45. Ooh, it's in my size. I am wearing the To Live a Lie Knuckles shirt in in red. So this is the um Oh, is this a toy machine? Is it yes. the, the all the the knuckles to live a lie? All right. Okay. Sure. So classic, that actually classic skate shirt. Yes, classic skate shirt. Um, in my size too. Like I was really hoping, I was one away from getting the X Brainiacs X Hail Fastcore shirt in triple X. <laughs> um, each of you, I would like you to think of 
one scenario where I would wear this red to live a lie knuckles shirt and I'll pick which I prefer. So who's got one for me first? Um, when me and Morgado come down and we go to, um, um, the, the pizza place in Neptune that if you eat a full pie, oh, you get a yeah, 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 yeah. Um, God, why am I, we're all broken by the mill. Um, uh, it's like Fanny and something, or no? Uh, 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 oh my God, this is embarrassing! Holy shit, my brain's up. Uh, Pete Nelda's. Pete Nelda. Um, okay, Pete Nelda. Okay, that feels pretty good. That's pretty good. Patrick, what's my scenario? Okay, a, a relative that you've never met passes away, and uh, their butler comes to you and uh, serves you papers saying that uh, you're entitled to twenty five million dollars uh, if you. Uh, uh, can just be a park ranger for a year wearing the same clothes uh, and, and oh uh, operate in a fire watch tower with no yeah. contact to, uh, with the rest of the world. Oh my God. This sounds so cool. <laughs> Holy shit. Tom, I was really expecting I was going to get pizza with you and Morgato. Oh, we're going to make just, that happen. I told okay, him. That. Yeah. Let's make it work. I think, I think he, he should be able to eat a whole Pete and Elvis pizza, right? He definitely could. I think he can. I feel like um, all three of us could. Oh, I mean, I. It's like I, pizza. It's like I, fucking. It's cl- pizza crackers. Yeah, I yeah. did it last time. I was. I do it anytime I'm there. Um. Uh. Yeah, I'm going to the park park ranger by myself for a whole year, because uh, 25 million um, would just make life so easy. Do, now, Bob, do you think your family would understand? <sighs> it's just a year. It's. <laughs> I mean, a year's a long time. You got no contact with your family for a year. You do walk with the 25 mil, though. I mean, yeah, they can I mean, go visit now. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just you can mail through. them a letter once every week. I mean, they would they uh, they would say, you know, um, uh, they 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 want me for all time, but they need that 25 mil more than they want me. I'd be I'd be legitimately mad at them if they were like, no, don't take no, the 25 no, mil. No, no, <laughs> no. no. I mean, that'll send them both to college. I am literally uh, fucking it's just like uh, ollieing over something uh, in this shirt to get to that $25 million. So uh, over everyone – Over the fire. Yeah. yeah. To liveali.com, please order a cool shirt. Enjoy the random game. Um, I threw your names in the random randomizer, random.org, our new sponsor. Uh, and Tom, you're up. So we are going to runforcoverrecords.com. We are in their store. We are going to their categories. We are going to, okay, apparel, shirts, outerwear, hats. Do you want to do all apparel or do you want to go to shirts, outerwear, or hats? Um, Let's go all apparel. Make it, I was yeah, going to go hats, a broad choice. Like that might be too limited. Okay. So hold on. Six. Because I mean, you're a beach guy. You can use the hat for the beach. I know. I, I'm I'm with the hats. Like I I don't. Let's go hats. Many, okay. okay, you want to do hats? Let's do hats. All right. It's summertime. Hats are good to keep things out of your hat, your your face, keep the sun off. Good. This is actually perfect. There are there's 18 choices basically. Wow. Um. So pick a number wow. between one and 18. 13. 13. Okay. Six. 12. Oh. Okay. Tom, you have a teen suicide rain beanie that you are going to be wearing and purchasing. It's a black beanie with a two-color, two-and-a-half-by-two-inch patch. Um, these are very nice beanies. I've seen them. Uh, may have helped 
make them at one point. Um, Patrick and I are going to come up with separate situations where you would wear the teen suicide beanie and you are going to have to pick which with one. With my Jarhead fertilizer t-shirt. I'm going to have Long a sleeve. Yeah, 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 you're looking cool. All right, Patrick, go first. Okay. Uh, your life falls apart. Uh, right, you're, you're struggling to put it back together. You decide that you really don't want to oversee anybody. Uh, because it's there's a lot of stress to that. You're you're sort of sick of of any managerial aspect to your life. Uh, you got a, a a friend who's a teamster who says it's not too late in life. He can get you in. Uh, you are now teamster Tom. Do you wear it to your teamster gig? Or Tom, you have through a weird twist of fate found yourself in staten island right by the uh, where the ferries come in and out right already pretty weird yeah um i'm, I'm neglecting appro- to see the difference so far right i know a man approaches <laughs> you with uh an outfit similar to who's the buddy the uh hello hello fellow young people steve buscemi, oh, steve buscemi. Steve buscemi. Yeah. he's got that outfit but you have a teen suicide beanie as part of the outfit it says i have a suitcase here with 25 million dollars in cash there's a small rowboat over there. I need you to put this outfit on with the teen suicide beanie and using that rowboat, get these 12 teens to Manhattan. You I get the 25 million like to Tom suicide. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> which, um, which option are you doing? Rowboat Tom or teams to Tom? Tom? Yep. Fuck. Um, well, the teens have phones to play with and they're there before. Keep their mouth shut. They do. You also have the option of, uh, you know, enlisting their services. Ooh. Make, put them to work. You know what I mean? I might go Teamster and bury somebody. All right. You're skipping the 25 mil. Yeah. Well, no, you know what? You, you, you make a good point. I See, Patrick, Patrick unbalanced the options last time with 25 million. If it was just I mean, like, would, hey, you can be a yeah. park ranger for a year and not see anybody or – you know, like, like I'm okay. listening. Yeah. yeah, if I got to get them from, you know, it's really not that far from Staten Island to no. um to the like the tip of Lower Manhattan. I'll go yeah. for it. Twenty five million. Teen That's suicide. Uh, hit runforcoverrecords.com. Get yourself a beanie. Get yourself a dad hat. Get yourself I don't know like a floppy goof hat. Who knows? Whatever. Um, thank you to our sponsors, guys. What's popping? What's good? What's going on? Uh, everything in life is good. Um, I'm preparing to go across the country by train again in two days. Everybody wish me luck. Uh, sure, life is good. <laughs> Didn't you, know, you do that weeks ago? Yeah. Listen, I th- thought you did that weeks ago. Did it weeks ago, but I'm just doing it again. It. You're a fucking rail baron. We got it. Replaying it in my mind. No. So here's the deal. There is a, uh, going across the country. Uh, <laughs> you can be inspired by this, this young couple from England who made a very extensive YouTube uh, channel out of? I we talked that. about this already. We talked about this on an no, no, no. episode that no. came out over a month ago. No, no, no. Different no. couple. Different couple. Okay. I watched that. Continue. Kind of like a dorky. Like, I went and had a beer where Kerouac drank. Yeah. This is like, they look like they're, they, one kid's head is so much bigger than his body. Uh, they look adorable. Glasses. He looks like they, they look, both look like cartoons of what you would think. Yes. Harry yeah, Potter ass sort of like, and they are just so <laughs> excited. They keep playing the, uh, come to America song. And, and it, it is, 
it's adorable how excited they are to see Salt Lake City. Yes, they took the train across and they they took the California Zephyr and they used the Ben Gibbard song. Yes, I did. Yes, yes. They did. Wow, Tom, how did you end up on that fucking? Right, because YouTube? I don't fucking go anywhere, right? Because oh, it's you a goddamn pr- yeah. pandemic. So I watch YouTube. YouTube like. Hey, here's me and my my buddy walking through the Grand Canyon, and I just watch that, and that's how I travel. I like it. I like it. I'm with it. Um, guys, you know, uh, life's magical tapestry, life's rich tapestry. Wow, the internet's so wild. You, you, we all follow weird stuff. I have a friend, and I want to ask you, what are your best? We, we've done this a few times. What are your best like niche follows? A friend of mine uh, loosely fell into trucking of 10 years ago something like that and I, he doesn't post a lot but he occasionally posts these things that are very like oh this is like trucker humor oh, and so okay. i got pulled in and trucker instagram is fucking awesome it's fucking great lit lit scene uh i've got people that have uh really extreme political views <laughs> like tell us more uh just people who kind of uh, they're just ramping it up every single day of their life. Like, okay. So there's this one person I follow who used to have a completely normal Instagram account where they, sometimes they would have a text box of like a thing that they care about, but it would largely be, you know, meals, their selfies of themselves, dog, their life. And in the last maybe like five months, they post several times a day, nothing personal at all, all political, all text boxes. And it it's starting to look like maybe this past year has, it didn't like necessarily, like for many people, it woke them up to things that they should be paying attention to. For other people, it may have made them fixated in a way that would require psychiatric appraisal. And, th- and that's sort of what this person is aiming. For. This That's where this person's going, it seems. And I don't know them well enough to be like, hey, I noticed that there appears to be literally no joy in your life at all. Um, are you okay? Has it, does anybody talk to you? And But I don't know them. You, you know what I mean? Like, yep. a, a, okay, I won't, uh, no names, but a friend of a friend's, whatever, reached out to somebody who's essentially a stranger to say, hey, you seem pretty fucked up are you all right? And it worked out. The other person was like, yeah, you know what? I am fucked up, but like, Oh, it's good. But to me, that's like a big, you're throwing a hell Mary pass that somebody doesn't say, you know what? Mind your goddamn business. Motherfucker. Who are you? So I mm. uh, shout out to people that can be that nosy, but I'm just watching this oh, person. Nosy. I'm watching this person de- deteriorate in front of my eyes. I, I, I don't know what to do about people that like, cause what do you do? Obviously if this person cares so much about these political issues and I say, Hey, you seem like desperately unhappy. Is everything cool? They're just going to go. Yeah, man, I really care about this issue. Fuck off. But like, Mm -hmm. but if you were stuck in that moment where you can't, you can't parse the larger world from your own happiness, like you could like those two things are so tied. Then Nothing I say is going to make any sense to you. Okay, Tom, what does your good internet follow? <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. Yo, I, does I, it surprise you at all that Patrick has uh, f- 
friends with with extremist political. It, it well follows with extremist political views. Not not at all. No right. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to say: what I follow. Yes, I follow um, a an Instagram account that is solely fat animals. I like that. Really? That are just like check out this junk. It's like fucking like dogs <laughs> that like can't walk. Um, I follow that. I follow several Pomeranian accounts because I, oh, I, yeah, I, I had a pom. Yep, pumps. love it. Um, and then I also follow. Um, it was kind of. <laughs> I think Brendan Sandieri put me put me onto this little guy. So <laughs> someone kept getting like their like um, uh, all their their food in their garden eaten. eaten. So they set up like a camera, and now they catch this like fat fucking like uh, like a chipmunk, whatever <laughs> coming and eating. But it's like literally framed so perfectly. So like this motherfucker is going to ha- going ham on like a carrot, but like, like in the camera. Right? Yes, it's yeah. fucking incredible. That's really good. I've seen that. That's it's called like bad. Frank the fucking beef, whatever the fuck it is. Um, but I, I highly I recommend it. that. I love it. Yo, uh, shout out. I, my current favorite uh, meme is any of the shrimp fried rice jokes. The like, no way, a fucking shrimp fried shrimp this rice. Yes. And then then the one, the evolution being someone photoshopping a giant shrimp at a hibachi making fried rice. And then no fucking way. I love <laughs> it. Um, guys, yo, we're here to talk hardcore today in a special way, something that I think we, I think all three of us actually really love this exercise. Um, we haven't done it for a minute. Uh, sometimes it's hard to pin it down, but I think we're going to try to do a few more of these because this was a super fun exercise, at least for me. I, I, I would love to hear from you guys. Um, today, Tom, we're doing a deep dive on the hope conspiracy. Boom, boom. Yo, am I right in saying that we all like this, Patrick? Yeah, but Bob, your response to this is like real wild to me because I think, and maybe I'm wrong, I think Tom and I both like this band more than you do, but you had a better time. You like really like enjoyed the shit out of this exercise this time. You were like buzzing. No, I mean, you know what? It's because it's mostly the exercise is super fun. And I, I will see about who, yeah. I mean, we should do the preconceived where, where we're at with this band in, in whole, but I, I like the activity of it. It's it's fun, and the Hope Conspiracy, to be very like transparent, has what I think in this moment is the perfect density of material. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and for again for transparency, I started, you know, Cold Blue Philo three. All the way through True Nihilist, um, I didn't get, I didn't do the demo, so pardon, pardon me on that. But um, you know, there's a good amount of material, but at no point did it slog. So that's that's you know, a spoiler alert. But it just felt like a really healthy amount of material where you could see things changing. You could s- kind of listen to it. So it was kind of a fun version of this exercise. Whereas there's bands that all three of us like that I'll name agnostic front doing a deep dive where we actually listen to their whole catalog. There's a little bit of that. That's not fun. Cause it's so much. There's so much. It's super dense, super dense. And, and you know, like, like bands who maybe, and, and there's a couple, like I'll, I'll say for me, there's a couple agnostic front records that are not top shelf material. Somebody might love them. It's just not me. 
there might be bands I like a lot who have a ton of material, but that I don't want to digest in this way. But I actually found the Hope Conspiracy digestibility to be very high. So um, before we get in, Patrick, well, Tom, why don't you start us? What is your familiarity with the Hope Conspiracy before this activity? I'm incredibly um, familiar with them, uh, toured the U.S. with them, with Most Precious Blood, um, sang backups on the EndNote record. Um, I've known some of the dudes since their former bands, like, like Harvest. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we can go in on, on our thoughts about the records. Yeah, you, like you're, I've known you're them for very familiar. Yeah. Very, very, very familiar. Yeah. Patrick. Uh, I remember when they were popping, uh, the, a lot of energy around them. You got to remember that this was a time in my life where I was just looking for reasons to write bands off. So yep. uh, I, I think I probably thought that they were too handsome. I was going to say that. It's like a joke, and I didn't know you were actually going to say that. Yeah, no, I, I actually used to find reasons to hate on bands. This is offensive. They're too old, too good-looking. Yeah, it was a good-looking selection of men. I don't. I think it might have hurt them to be, yeah. No doubt. Yo, no doubt. Uh, so at any rate. Pat, did I ever tell you that story about that? So <laughs> sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Speaking about prettiness, um, we're, uh, we, MPB does a weekend. It's So it's MPB. Um, uh, Death by Stereo, Hope Conspiracy, Sick of It All, right? Mm. DC and and Philly at the truck. And this is like early 2000s. So like they're still relatively new, you know? <clears throat> and, you know, we're watching them play or whatever. And our buddy Lou, our mutual friend Lou Tang, turns to me and he goes, I'm pretty sure this is the best looking band I've ever seen in my entire life, like mid set. And I was like, I think you're right. Yeah. And look, for every door that that opens, in subculture world, it also closes one or two. So, yeah, certainly you had like little bitter goblins like myself that would be like, look at these fucking guys, you know? And uh, maybe some of the like punkier crowd just wrote them off uh, out of nowhere. And it was also not for nothing. Boston was really keen on handsome men. Like it was like churning out handsome men. And we, yeah. some, some of us were getting sick of it. But I feel like, don't you think that like, you know, like, Obviously, very good looking dude, <laughs> and I'm sorry that we're this is this is like so disrespectful that we're like the muse is cool, but have you seen them in a pair of diesel jeans? Like because I feel like um, I didn't expect you guys to go this way this quickly. Is all no, I, well Pat did, and then I was like, well, while we're here, um, but I think Kevin Baker, obviously a good looking dude, but was also a tough dude. Yeah. So that kind of like I think that sort of ameliorated any kind of like I don't like them because they're all too pretty. Fucking. Adam Patterson was built like the Incredible Hulk, and fucking Kevin Baker was a bad. It was a badass too. So like, it's like, I think it kind. Of, if they were all like hundred and fifty pound handsome kids, it'd be a different story. Yeah, that's probably true. I, I mean, certainly, and there was, uh, you know, there's rumors about them being willing to fight. They were not. Uh, yeah, it, it wasn't like strictly speaking, like uh, when, when uh, Long Island got really into metalcore and like handsome Fashion core shirts and stuff. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like that mm. at all, but you know, like it was, it was uh, still, if you're, if you're bitter and, and I, and you know, I am, uh, then th- <laughs> there's uh there's always a reason to hate, but, uh, cold blue. Uh, I was uh, familiar with when it came out. I was even familiar with Kevin was in piecemeal, right? Correct. Okay. Right. So I was familiar with piecemeal before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, 
uh, uh, Cold Blue was uh, good. I, I really liked it. Uh, and then I kind of just didn't pay attention for a number of years, even though I saw them. You know what I mean? Like, even though I was like, oh, yeah. But I, uh, I just was not interested in new music from them for whatever reason. You know, I, I don't know what that would be. Uh, revisited it all, all the material, maybe four years ago, mm-hmm. and was really fucking impressed. Uh, so that's where I stand now going into another re-listen. True. True, true, true. Uh, was was there, was familiar, especially in the live setting. I saw him a grip of times. Um, was kind of, it's odd. It's odd where they were in placement. Um, and it's one of the things that I'm hoping we talk about a little bit in, in this like almost debunking things. I remember hearing Cold Blue. I think I did a listening station on that at Generation. I love that. Um, and was like, oh, this is pretty dope. This is cool. But it was also like not what I totally expected. And I was certainly into faster stuff at that point. And here's the thing. It's not like that record's not fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's not it's not like a, a fast hardcore punk record or anything, but but like it's not some slow or mid tempo record necessarily either. Um so I was familiar with the band. I was not what I would call a fan at the time. And um likely for mostly aesthetic reasons, but I always was kind of like, Yeah, but that cold blue record's kind of cool in a weird way. I don't know, you know. Um and I don't know if I ever even owned it, but I remember always kind of feeling warmly when I would hear it and was like, oh, it's like pretty good. Sounds good. Everything's good. Um, but then didn't really check out material beyond that. Um, and I mean, you know, saw them any number of times between 2000 and 2004. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, you know, especially earlier on, I just remember seeing them. In New Jersey, they they played tons of different tours, like, and they played with all different types of bands, you know, across the hardcore spectrum. So, um, yeah, no, I, and so so heard Cold Blue, didn't own it, but thought it was kind of cool, and never owned any of their other records, and had vague, potentially not much no, uh, awareness of Death Knows Your Name. You know, remember it coming out and being like, this is a giant record because I just remember seeing posters for it. The imagery was always big, um, but never really gave it a true listen till now. So, uh, yeah, I'm stoked to fucking talk about this stuff with you guys. Um, I think we should just kind of walk through this, but I wanted to ask you guys first, before we dive into it, are there any misconceptions about this band or the sound that we can work on debunking as we get through this episode? I yes, I I think there is. Okay, I think there's to me there's like two HopeCon camps mm-hmm. that I think there's like you know people that are pushing for their union because they want cold blue stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think there's just as many, if not more, people that would be bummed if they didn't hear the Death Knows Your Name stuff, right? Yep. And, like, if you listen to them all kind of, which I did, I mean, I was familiar with all the records already, but kind of listen to them all together. Yep. There's not that much of a difference. Yep. I always thought, like, in my head, it was like, yep. well, like, 
you know, the death knows your name stuff is a little more like kind of sludgier and like more rock. No, they, no it, more rock. They, they, that, was, that was in my head. No, it's, it's just not. less moshy. It's, it's less overtly Correct. chug. Correct. Yeah. Listen, they just uh, sound slightly tighter. And, uh, and I don't mean, pl- I mean, what I mean by this is they sound very squarely like a pure post nineties hardcore band uh, on the, the cold blue. Yes. And then very unbroken. Yes. And then by the final record, they sound like that, but honed to the sharpest possible point. So I agree with both of you that this is the same band throughout, but the production has the production changes quite a bit. Yeah. I think there's production change. I think there are a couple other little subtle changes as you go through that we can discuss, but that's one of the Tom, I wrote down basically the same thing. I said there was a misconception that this band went full bouncer rock. You know and what I mean? Stoner metal, and it's never not, did. Never did. Not at all. at all. Never did. Now, if someone wanted to make that argument, they shouldn't be pointing to "Death Knows Your Name." They should be no. pointing to the 2009 EP "True Nihilist," and they'd still be wrong, but they'd at least have like an argument to be made. But it's still not bouncer rock. No. You know what I mean? Like this is still it still has teeth in it. The, cl- that- the closest they ever come to bouncer rock is their most listened to song by a wide margin, and it is still a million miles from bouncer rock. It's no, just, uh, yes, it's like a driving, like Correct. It, it's it's. I mean, it's a rock and hardcore song, no doubt, but. It is not rock. Well, and, and that's one of the sonic changes that I think happens between End Note and Death Knows Your Name that we can talk about. But between Death Knows Your Name and True Nihilist, there's a couple other little tweaks that I think you go, oh, okay, I see, I see some Motorhead here, okay, but it's never, it's never tasteless in that way that Tom and Patrick. I mean, I think all three of us get almost automatic douche chills to the idea of like, hey, hey, I'm rocking. Eh, okay, out, check out my beard. Yeah. Like, fuck. You know what? We say that, but I've been listening to that down record all week. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> that first that, one? Uh, yeah, the NOLA record, yeah. Yeah, but it's that record's really all right. Yeah, no, that's a good... I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, of the... You know what, but here's... Fucking scum moments on that though. Yeah, I mean smoke, bro. <laughs> With the band that no one can... Um, no one could escape... Uh, in the early uh, Armageddon. Uh, oh, oh, uh, that, 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 entombed. Not entombed. No, Armageddon no, uh, Blue. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, 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 fuck. Rockers, Scandinavian. Oh, Turbo Negro. Turbo Negro. There we go. Um, there's good Turbo Negro records, but it's very much like, yo, what they inspired in the punk and hardcore world where everybody all of a sudden was <laughs> cocksure and ready to r- ring out riffs. Nightmare. Blues is a power trip song. What am I young? No, it's Sorry. okay. It's a, no, and, I, I think it's blues. Wolverine blues. And, exactly. And I um, was thinking of, I think it's, man, um, Apocalypse dudes. That's why I was not Armageddon. Um, so, all right. As we all go fucking senile while recording. Jesus. All right. So, so I think, Tom, we can squarely uh, debunk. Hope Conspiracy never went full rocker. Okay. Here's right. another Here's another uh, unfounded rumor. Yes. Metalcore. That, that's my other one. My other 
note was this is a big M metalcore band. No, untrue. Yeah, not at all. It, it's it's. I used to think everybody accused them of being just 108, right? I don't think that's true. This is no. this is those first records are very much unbroken and you can yep. say unbroken and 108 have things in common, yep. but like it's more, it's much more unbroken than it is 108. There is 108 in that DNA, no doubt, oh, but, sure, for sure. but you can't accuse this band of being any type of rip. Yo, I have to ask you guys this because there's discrepancy here and discrepancy from my memory in my head. File 03 came out before cold blue. Am I wrong about that? That is wrong. Okay. I don't know why that is. That came out right after. Right after. Okay. Within so there year, was sequential. Okay. In my head, and I would like to hear from someone who knows, I wouldn't be surprised if File 03 was recorded before Cold Blue. I could be wrong. Mm, um, that's well, that's got the re- demo on it. Oh, so there so we go. So I did hear the demo. So you're correct. Yeah. So right. there's okay. two new songs. So this is a Naked Ray Gun cover. Yep. And no love goes unpunished. Those are the other right. two newer songs on there. Yes. and then they attended the is the demo the, the demo. Yeah. Okay, so this is my my biggest. Okay, then this then it all fits. Um, Hope conspiracy, not metalcore. They actually usher in with Cold Blue and Follow Three, the new songs, not the demo. The death of the '90s sound, and I think it's something that we should. A tribute to the Boston bands of note of the time, American Nightmare, Hope Con, um, a little later Suicide File. But like, it's something I never totally pieced together was those bands deaded the 90s sound. If you hear the Hope Conspiracy demo as it is on File 03, now I can say that because I listen to a bunch, those songs still have a little bit of 90s in it. Definitely. You know what I mean? I think Divinity Sickness and Regret Kills, I'm like, Oh, there's a lot of like 90s in here. There's a little bit of like discordance in the guitar playing that I'm like, I'm not sure that this feels even. And then I'm listening to like a song like No Love Goes Unpunished. I'm like, what's this is this feels uneven. Now it makes total sense Um, with what these bands did. And they're not the only ones, but they kind of said, okay, yep, that was the 90s sound. They really. That's not polishing a diamond. That's going from coal to a diamond, in my opinion, sonically. It, it's changing the substance into something different. Yeah, I would actually say that that happens after cold blue. Um, I, I, I agree with you, uh, and I actually really like the demo, uh, but I think cold blue is, it stood out for a reason. Cold like, blue has elements of that. I think, I think like bled, bled across the wire has some real nineties in there. Uh, I mean, look, part of the reason that it appeals to me so much off the bat is is some of the nineties vocal affectations that yep. yes that, that, that disappear by endnote. Yes, one hundred percent. And part of that is that they became a more professional sounding band uh, because yes. his vocals on the demo and uh, Cold Blue are. N- I mean, listen, by that last LP, he is a fucking machine and he's not a machine on those early songs. He is a, uh, he's a hardcore singer. Yeah. He's a hardcore singer. And and like, like, right, right. Yeah. And, and like an above average, but, but you're hearing things on the demo 
the demo makes sense now because it's like okay, there's they're they're still finding the sound on those demo tracks. Cold Blue, they've got it figured out a lot more, but there's a couple conventions that he does vocally. S- music wise, there's a couple parts that are like oh, okay, this is more like a, a, a more '90s format. I think Youth and Its Burden, cool song for sure. Cool song. But then, then you hit into Divinity Sickness, and I feel like that one's a little. That's one of my the songs I like less. Well, which some people might be like, "Yo, I love it," but that just sonically, I'm like, "Oh, okay, this is doing stuff that I'm not particularly into." Um, let's and, and if you guys, yeah, really quick, I was doing a lot of work on on when I'm listening to this, going, "Yo, I I actually think this record is cool. Like, I think it's not just good, but cool." Why was I out on this band? So that was an exercise I was working on that we'll touch through as we go on in this. Well, let's talk about something that always works in hardcore, which is uh, lead lead off line unaccompanied. Always works. So a uh, great example is the uh, Turmoil song that opens with uh, What the Fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody on Earth, even if you don't like metalcore, has a warmth for that song. I could play that for the crustiest dude in North America and he'd go, yeah, well, that part's pretty sick, you know? <laughs> and uh, HopeCon never is, it never goes to that type of uh, uh, metalcore, like like tech or brutal or whatever. But on Cold Blue, at least two songs open with an unaccompanied line That's that true. is so gripping that you're just, you're in from from jump. And it is a very cool effect that a lot of people are not comfortable doing or don't have the vision to do. And uh, they make it work right out the gate. What's up, everyone? It's Joe, and I'm the host of That's Awesome with Joe, a podcast on the newly formed Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. I talk with tons of your favorite artists, managers, touring personnel, and more. Most of the time we talk about music, but lots of the time we end up talking about something completely unrelated. We laugh a lot. We do a lot of really stupid things, but also some things that are really informative and interesting. Basically, it's a podcast that I think you should listen to. Obviously, I'm biased because it's my podcast, but I think I might be into it if I wasn't the host. Check it out at SoundTalentMedia.com. Yeah, I, I I think that's a great way to start off Cold Blue. I think the records there's metallic influence, but I wouldn't consider this record particularly metallic. No. Like Tom, like especially being like straight up a peer band essentially. Like yeah. you know, like they there's two things that really struck at, stuck struck me here. They're super competent. They're playing a form of hardcore that doesn't feel particularly dated. Like it's not like tied to some like very clear eighties things. I think there's a lot of unbroken in the DNA. Sure. But it feels a little different in this format. And it's not, yo, it's not even as metal as some of the unbroken tracks. Am I am I off on that? No, this is circa seventy seven. This is absentee debate. Okay. Yep. Becoming a band, and I think I mean Pat and I talked about it too. Like, um, I think we both, as a peer band, like we both kind of occupied the same space. Yeah, to a point, it was still strangely divided. Sure, because I feel like they were more not necessarily a posy numbers band, but more likely to get the invite. Put out a oh sure. Oh yeah, well, yeah, for you sure. You were sure. the 
metalcore fucking Hellfest band. But like, it's like we're we're legitimately drinking out of the same well. Oh you know? yeah, sure. listen. And one thing that I want to, I when we were talking about like the early days and whatever, and I want you, your you guys to kind of chime in. There are very few bands in my experience over you know however many fucking years in hardcore that it were like so like finally honed right out of the box. Like I feel like they were like a legit band from Rip. I mean they they had some real players. Not right. like they, yeah, but there wasn't a ton of like growing pains for them while other bands, other bands you know that had players that were in other bands earlier and stuff like that kind of took them some time to get their shit together. Like this band from the get-go was like, oh, this is like a real fucking band. Like this Yeah, that's is, true. Yeah, I think I think they kind of I think they did something that we're seeing bands now do more and more. And that we started seeing here was they skipped over the growing pains part. They did uh, the like yeah. the learned lessons element, which I think I think yo like you should take credit. I think most precious blood did that right, um, but I don't think every band does that. Where it's like you got to see this. It was like okay, so we had harvest and we had piecemeal throw in a blender. And it's not fair to say throw them in a blender. And here's hope conspiracy. But hey, these guys came out, came together, and did hope conspiracy. Yeah. A lot of times in the past, that's happened a million times where dudes in band A and dudes in band B got together and did band C. Well, band C sometimes still had to do some clumsy shit. Oh, yeah. I I think you're dead on. I think one, Hope Conspiracy came out. They had a cool name. Am I wrong? That's a cool name, right? Great name. Good, Good name, particularly when they go to just Hope Con. Dope. <laughs> so dope for the initial for the abbreviation um and if they came out like i always remember they were a force live right off right off they were really good live and so it's like that element where it's like yo we're not gonna fuck around we're gonna like be killer live and it's like yeah definitely i don't know if that was an element of the bands prior i have a feeling and i say this out of complete neglect but based on the age of the dudes I bet when Harvest first started, and I bet when Piecemeal first started, they were not quite as honed in as they were by the time they were doing Hope Conspiracy, aka AKA Learned Lessons. And I'm sure, Tom, you'd say that same thing for Most Precious Blood. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if somebody saw MPB in 2000 versus seeing Indecision in 94, you probably go, yeah, you probably got a better product in 2000. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Right. So I think I think you're dead on. I, I didn't come to that. I think you're totally right. And I think Cold Blue says that. Do you think, guys, both of you, the fact that the record came out in equal vision made the band feel bigger right out of the gate? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and I think like it had such a fucking energy because it's like you got Converge and you got AN. Mm-hmm coming out around that time the an records what a year later or two years later whatever the an record on equal vision i think is a year later the bridge nine seven inch is probably coming out in roughly the same time frame as cold blue you know right and like it's yeah so i mean i think you know at that time equal vision was a fucking you know i mean it still is but like at that time especially it was a thing in hardcore behemoth and yeah. tom what what side of the fence does equal vision fall on oh none they were pure neutral they were they were uh what is it not chaotic neutral they were good new- what's the good neutral yeah, lawful, no, lawful, lawful neutral. neutral 
Equal Vision was fucking lawful neutral because the label that was putting out Converge was putting out Floor Punch. Right, right, right. And the label that did Hand Side did Bane. And you know what I mean? Like, right. like pure, like pure down the middle, which even like, yo, if the record comes out on Bridge Nine, that's one way. If the record comes out on Trustkill, that's another way. So sure. this record came out with the a little bit of an easier path, flight plan, other than being perceived as like, oh shit, this is on Bridge, this is on Equal Vision, you know? Yep. Um, one thing I, I go. Ahead. I don't necessarily agree with one aspect of that, please, which is. I think in the same way that they were handsome could work against them in some rooms. Oh, I think, I think being on equal vision, which you're right. Mostly, mostly neutral territory in some respects, but let's say that you're just not inclined to uh, clean guy. Hardcore, right? Yo, yo, yes. I think we can even pull it out like more plainly. Equal vision felt too big for some rant rooms. Yes. And, and, and okay, so that's going to be tough to explain to a kid who got into hardcore 2 years ago, 3 years ago. It's going to be hard to explain to to that listener right now that Equal Vision, which maybe some kids only know from putting out Coheed and Cambria records, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. or maybe they just it's kind of off the radar, they're in a different space now. Mm-hmm. It, at one time Equal Vision really had sort of a Steve Reddy sensibility, which is he likes clean cut ish hardcore. That is burly, but not necessarily it's not good, not stupid nope. and not goonish. And, and, and there is a level of competency that he's looking for. Yeah. 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 He, he yeah. And that was, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they were competent, obviously. They just weren't burly. They That's weren't burly. True. That's true. I mean, he put, well, even Serpico, he put out stuff that was not burly. But, but it, I think that the 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 vision in people's minds is the the first couple Converge records, right, or or at least the LPs, right? First couple LPs, and uh, the the uh, the Bane records, sure. And this is all now Converge. At at this juncture in their career, they're like fucking neurosis. They're an institution, mm-hmm. but at that time, they they were kind of just the best band coming out of Boston. Different thing than they are now, right? And they're, I guess it's hard to explain that Equal Vision had a a for lack of a better word, Yankees energy. No, that's it, perfect. I think that people should be able to understand that. Not for everybody, though. No, no. Some sports fan. Somebody's saying, please stop talking about baseball. Um, (laughs) Yo, they felt like Equal Vision was a hardcore label still at this point, full stop. But they were well run, a well oiled machine who did good stuff that was in every record store. And you knew what it was, whether you liked it or not, whether you owned a record on Equal Vision or not, you knew what that label was. Actually, let me drill that down even more. Please. There are listeners in our... There's people that listen to us each week that do not believe that there should be any professional aspect to hardcore. Thank you. We appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Uh, But that is much, many fewer people than it was in... 
1999. Yes. And there was big pushback to that sort of, oh, your label has it together. Like Tom, it's okay. Tom can can speak to this from experience. This is, you have a barcode on your record. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? That was, that was, that was a real thing, you know? Now I, I kind of, I don't want to sneak this Josh Trustkill, uh, uh, but I wanted to say something kind of sneaked this, which is Tom was on a label that had the appearance of having it together. And that could, that could kind of cost him in some respects. Right. Right. Same thing with, with EVR who, who, who did have it together. Uh, it, it kind of like, there's people that just don't like that energy. I guess that's what I'm driving at. I, yeah. We're, we're finding 20 ways to say the same thing, which is yep. most people felt either good or indifferent, but people that did there not were some like people who were like yeah. mm, equal vision, really yeah. your first record. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of speak about this. Uh, guys, can I, can I tell you something that I found both, uh, a little bit surprising and very endearing about uh, HopeCon Cold Blue. Please. Guess the length. 20, 23 minutes. 32 minutes. 10 songs, 22 minutes, 8 seconds. Wow. Nice. Uh, in fact, let me just give them all three right now. The albums, which are Cold Blue, 2000, and Note, 2002, and Death Knows Your Name, 2006. Um, noting also that cold blue comes out kind of at the end, but the, like what you'll see is the CD era allowed. Thankfully this didn't hit hardcore too much, but the like bloated nature of records, like, oh, yeah. like alternative and indie records were like 45 to 50 minutes. Thankfully hardcore didn't do that, but some, some of the more like big M metalcore and like bigger label hardcore records would be long and note 26 minutes, 39 seconds. Death Knows Your Name, 35 minutes, 18 seconds. All these records, and, and like that, especially that record, the last two songs in Death Knows Your Name are mm, about 11 minutes in total. This is a band who knew, hey, let's kind of keep our songs under two and a half minutes. Smart. Yeah, <laughs> smart. Um, Cold Blue, I want to ask you both. Is this your favorite Hope Conspiracy record? No. Tom. I, I thought it was, and it's not. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I'm at. Tom, I was in the exact same spot. I think we've talked about this because Patrick might. Tom, was Patrick right? Do you remember, Do you know where what his favorite uh, Hope Conspiracy record is? I don't. It's EndNote. Is that their best record? It might be. I think it might be. All right. I, I love Cold Blue. Yeah. I actually like all I really like all the records. Yeah. But I think EndNote is just like EndNote is like the soundtrack to like falling down. It's like it's it sounds like the dude's literally gonna fucking take hostages. Is there anything yeah, we haven't oh sorry, go ahead. I, I, I'm going to get nitty gritty. So if you if Yeah, you let's 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 hold you. is there anything we didn't talk about? I think Cold Blue is a very good introduction to this band and sets a place for them showing yes. that they're taking a sound from the nineties and doing something new with it. Like I said, I think that this record along with some of the others kind of deads that. And I, I, many people listening 
are of an age where they understand like, oh, that early 2000 sound kind of um, what was being done by a lot of the bands on Bridge Nine. I think Hope Conspiracy doesn't get enough credit for that. Um, you know, AN is, the, AN is the band who really gets pointed at, and rightfully so. But Hope Conspiracy probably deserves a little note there too. Um, they changed the game more than they, yeah, they definitely get credit for. Yeah, I, I agree. Like um, live, it's like, oh, everyone's got it. They had their sounds fucking locked. It it, it, it was the uh, it was like the changing of the guard that you kind of like everyone had to step up a little bit. How much did you guys go into File O three? And it's only the two songs, but then the demo. Um, I wanted to give note to the the song "No Love Goes Unpunished" because it's one of their best songs. I think it might be their best. I feel like that might be like where it all came together. Yo, that's like the high water mark, and it 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 kind of brings in both eras of the band. Yo, I think that this song is doing stuff that AN would do on their second LP, and this is coming out a solid two and a half years earlier. Um, and that's not to say like yo, those a lot of these players were pulling from the same well, but if you listen to No Love Goes Unpunished, there's parts that are straight up, um reminiscent and some of the cadence and some of the guitar work and what they're doing to AN songs like um, Love American, like some of the other second LP songs in terms of tempo, in terms of adding a little bit of a different drive to the drums that you weren't finding on Cold Blue um, that you then do find on Endnote. And uh, yeah, I think this song is very notable and it's probably the song, Tom, I, I'm with you. I think you lead off a HopeCon mix with this song. And I think we will. That's right. Um, let's dive in and note, Patrick, get nitty gritty. Okay. Uh, I did not like it as much as I have in the past on this listen because I enjoyed the vocals on Cold Blue. They're very upfront and with no uh, effects on them. Uh, they, by comparison, feel uh, compressed and and uh, under the music uh, in an endnote. Uh, so as much as I think these songs rip, <clears throat> and I think he sounds technically better by every measure, yes, uh, i I did not enjoy his performance as much as I did on cold blue because cold blue has a ton of character. And part of the reason it has a ton of character is because his vocals are on top of you. So, uh, I still enjoy EndNote a lot. Uh, but, uh, on this listen, I f- immediately after cold blue, I said, eh, get, I, I said, what I would like is cold blues vocal production, which is vocals out front. Yeah. L- largely untouched, but with him in this, new more capable space vocally i would really have enjoyed that i think there's something to be said that this is lp2 vocals and if you're not familiar with this go listen to any of your favorite hardcore band and then a lot of the like adjacent world listen to the vocals on lp1 listen to the vocals on lp2 there will be a difference sometimes it's subtle Sometimes it's just production notes. Sometimes it's just like, hey, double me up or, hey, I need to tighten this up. Uh, hey, I've been on the road and my vo- voice has gotten better. Um, sometimes it's the, the hey, I know I'm in this for the long game now, where which is the go from blood, sweat, no tears to just look around 
vocal, sick of it all style. Um, I think this is somewhere in between those things because I think he gets better as a vocalist. And I wonder to myself, Pat, if you are picking up on, I think his vocals on cold blue are carried more by personality being out front than quantitatively let's just being like he's a better vocalist he's got more oomph behind him which is what i felt on end note i think he's he's just he's just better at projecting his voice whereas on on cold blue there's there might be more personality neither is a subpar thing both are actually really good but uh i think it's just kind of pick your poison tom you did did either one of them hit you in a way where you would take one over the other? I like it. I mean, I, I get like listening to like he does a lot of cool, like almost Rob Fisher stuff, Rob Fish type stuff on Cold Blue. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. Well, which so. is awesome. Yes. You know what I mean? Like kind of like it's not just all fucking balls to the wall fucking screaming. Like, yes. And and no, he sounds they he sounds unhinged on both. But Endo just has this like. It, it just feels cold, mm. but not in a bad way, in a like in a scary way, like a, like a, a dude at the end of his rope way. Oh, that's interesting, because I wonder if when you're hearing that Patrick's hearing compressed, you know what I mean? I mean, different. I so could like, see I could cold, see both. Yeah. yeah. Cold Blue was with Kurt. Yep. And and EndNote was in Brooklyn at Atomic Studios with Dean Balantonis. Oh right, interesting. interesting. And so, that actually is interesting because I yeah. that yep that that lines up some production things I've thought about. Yeah, it was funny. Like, so this is just around the time too that, um, going to going when they were recording in Brooklyn doing like backups and stuff. He they were like, yeah, we just finished um this the LP for that band. No warning. Yep, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Uh, yeah, they ju- that, they just finished Ill Blood, mm-hmm. like right before this. So I'm I would I want to go back now and listen to Ill Blood and listen to this for vocal stuff or just production and just everything like production stuff. See how like how you know the record I think is the bookend with Endnote. Can you guess what it is? In you mean in their catalog or just in life? No, in general, by oh. another band. Oh no, I cannot. It, it's more obvious than you think. I think it's Twilight, the Suicide File LP. Oh, I can hear sure. that. Yep. And I think, I, I mean, for many reasons. right. Co- correct. So, so Naraj uh, played guitar. I think, if not primary, one of the primary songwriters in both bands. Yeah. And, yeah. and can we just give a shout out to him? He is, at the time, people understood that he was, he was sharp. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. looking back on it, he was definitely among the most creative dudes to come out of that scene. Like, Oh yeah. He, he, cause he's not just that he can play because there was a lot of uh, uh, no names. Cause it sounds disrespectful, but there was like some really capable players coming out of the Boston area. Uh, particularly like eventually they gravitated towards metal, but, but they, they kind of didn't have much creativity mm-hmm. and Naraj is just a, a, a clever player. I mean, he's from Chicago. That's true. But right. didn't was he not in Boston during this time? Yes, no, he was. Yeah, he moved. Yeah. Like I feel like all it's like so the Midwest invaded uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, pretty much for, that, for for Hope Conspiracy. Um, so this is an interesting thing. I was a big Suicide File fan. 
but I don't think I heard. I maybe I I didn't have friends who listened to Hope Conspiracy, and I by this point was like, ah, eh, Hope Conspiracy. And I have to say this: I don't like the cover art of Endnote. Uh, hold on, let me let me look at all of them. Can you I, think of it? I I listen, love the cover art of Cold Blue. Lo, lo, absolutely love it. My my yes. two. Fi- so if you want to talk about being stuck in an era mentally, Cold Blue <laughs> and. and uh, Tom, what's the Converge record with? with um, uh, when forever comes crashing. No, but not the painted one, or, or I guess they're both painted. But it's got the it's got the it it's got what looks like um, Jane Doe. No, 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 no. all right. Uh, you, what is what do you guys call it when a when a television has the the lines? Yes, yes, the lines. Yes, I, I, I forget I what that's it. called. It's a type of it's yes. a type of interference, but yes. Um, it, there is a converge record that looks like uh, it's Aaron Delbeck. I don't know if it is, but it looks like Aaron Delbeck's face is being distorted by that type of interference, right? And it it is very iconic to me. Obviously, not so much as Jane Doe is for the entire planet, but for me, it like very much sticks out in my mind. I would recognize it anywhere, anytime, any place. It, I think it. I think so. Petitioning. I think it has a painting around it, and then this is the central. This is the image on. Yeah, that, it. that would make accurate? sense. Actually, yeah. So, uh, we listen to hardcore. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> like our you brains, think like, what's, like, our brains are just going to gel. We. This is the thing we. Uh, pulling back the curtain. This is the second episode we recorded tonight. There was a time where we would record five or six episodes in a row, and we're actually getting gearing up to that. We gotta Wait, get our. Bro. We gotta. We need some fucking riddle in or something. Alpha brain. Jesus. Yeah. It is positioning the empty sky. It is. There's like the painting around it, and that's definitely not Dahlbeck. But is that not Dahlbeck in the back? I don't think so. Maybe compelling Maybe. radio. Let's move forward. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, everybody, uh, these uh, look like Aaron Turner uh, things. I don't know. It, 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 do we know who did uh, the cold blue art? I unfortunately don't because I really like it. And it's just so it is very of the time though. Right. Like it, it feels yes. like that. Um, I love it. Um, so, so to me, EndNote and the EndNote art is, uh, it, it's going for, it, I can see how it lines up if you were going thematically with with the cold blue but it's not at the same time and really it's the colors because this is i think there's been lots of bands who are like let's play with the red fade into like the white of like a light so you get a little yellow you get a little orange and it almost is never endearing to me it makes me think a lot of the i guess it's the second ensign lp and some other stuff that like it's just a lot of like dark reds and not a lot of interesting stuff for your eyes to catch. So that's my biggest complaint about EndNote because otherwise I think it's a great record. And I think it is a very logical companion to a record I really, really love, Twilight. And I think there's a lot of people out there who might love The Suicide File but haven't given this record a proper chance. Let me make case one. Hey, this is Scott from Fly in the Call. Each week I speak to a different musician, whether they're in an established band like Silverstein or The Wonder Years, or a band on the rise like Spanish Love Songs, Origami Angel, or Meet Me at the Altar. We discuss music and lyrics, the successes and challenges of being in a band, and more, as we get to the core of each artist. 
The show features musicians of diverse genres and backgrounds, so there's always a chance I'll be talking to your new favorite band. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Tom, you nailed it. Uh, EndNote was recorded with Dean Baltinosis at Atomic Studios. Guess when? May and June of 2002. Where do you think Twilight was recorded? Atomic Studios in Brooklyn? Yes. Between July and September of 2002. Amazing. There are some things happening. The differences between EndNote and Cold Blue. Uh, we discussed the vocals a bit. They get a touch more rhythm in the rhythm section, if you can kind of pick up what I'm putting down, which is to say I think there's there's a little bit more rocking in the riffs in the same way as Suicide File has a little bit of rocking in the riffs. Like, hey, we can pull in some elements here without being party punks and help craft our sound a little differently. Yeah, and I think the, uh, another big difference is the change. Like, so Dan Zimmerman from Harvest was on was on Cold Blue. Okay. So, you know, definitely was probably part of the writing. Oh you know. yeah. And so the mosh riffs and stuff were probably more him than say Naraj. Sure. I could be wrong. Sure. But sure. If I had a guess. So he's not on EndNote. Right. Those mosh, those chug mosh parts do not exist on EndNote. That's 100% true. Or, or anything thereafter. That's 100% true. Um, you know what would actually be – it's actually interesting. Like if we read the list of people in this band. Yeah, do it. You got it? Yeah, yeah. I have in front of me. The The lineup is – the people they've had in this band is fucking ridiculous. So obviously – all right. So Kevin Baker had been in from the start. Mm-hmm. Jonas Feinberg been in from the get-go. Then they had Naraj on guitar – for a bit in the beginning, then came back in 2006. Yes. He's like a mainly songwriting. He doesn't tour. Yep. Um, current drummer is Jared Shavelson from Painted Black, from fucking um, – he's in Boy Sets Fire. Yep. He's in – fuck, he's in a new band with um, the singer from Stick to Your Guns, I think. That's actually quite good. Okay. Um, nice. Handsome Jim Carroll. Yes. Also a Suicide File member mm. in the band. Um. Our buddy Adam Patterson played drums in the first three years of of HopeCon. Yes. Dan Zimmerman from – so Adam and Dan were both from Harvest. Yep. Both were in the original. So, I mean, this is pretty much in the beginning Harvest with Naraj and Kevin Baker. Right. Then um, for a while they had Aaron Lisi who was in Adamantium, um, uh, uh, Death by Stereo, a few other bands. He was a Cali dude. He was in it for two years. Jared Alexander – Yep. Played drums at one point oh, for yeah. a year. 2002. Fucking ridiculous drummer. Like to the, to the point that like Suicide File was supposed to do some stuff the other year yep. before the world shut down. Mm. And they were all on board. And then he was like, I have to practice 
for my chemical romance. <laughs> the dude is that good that he was like, like I would play these hardcore shows, but I'm playing the garden. Yeah. Uh, here's a quick thing from him. He's been the drummer for the band's Suicide Files, Static Lullaby, Dead Country, and more recently, My Chemical Romance, Alkaline Trio, Matt Skiba, Meg Myers, and Necessary Noise. Oh, that's it. Just just right. some of those little bands. No okay. big deal. Yep. And then finally, fucking Tim Bomb. Yep, Tim Kosar. From AN was was in there from 2005 to 2008. That's right. So that is like a fucking lineup, uh, an all-star lineup of musicians of all all-star lineup. Yeah. Um, I think that you're you're totally right. I think I would be shocked if Naraj didn't have some hand in the songwriting, but please, if someone wants to correct that for EndNote, I'd love to be corrected. Um, he is listed on on this record um i uh, in their wiki at least um and i see i don't i would not say these bands are the same the hope conspiracy and suicide file are very different but i see some things here that if you would like a little bit a little more abrasiveness than suicide file you'd really be able to listen to this and if you're just a fan of suicide file and you've never heard this record i urge you to check it out because for a long time i overlooked it and was pretty surprised because yes, I like Cold Blue. I might like Endnote a little more, and I'm I was very surprised by that. So, um, yeah, and, and Patrick, up to this point, you've been the only person I've known who's ever talked to me and said, "Yeah, Endnote, that's the record." I've known people who are either Cold Blue or then all Death Knows Your Name. Yeah, that to me that's crazy. It, uh, Death Knows Your Name came out a big winner for me on this listen, but. I think if you're not, I mean, and no, I, uh, listen, I am actually, I agree with you. Uh, the art is a step down in most respects. Uh, by the way, I cannot figure out what that type of distortion is called on television because the links that you go, would go to to find how what the distortion is on a tube television are, are now dead <laughs> on the internet. Uh, right. But right. It, was, uh, it was Jake who did uh, the, the uh, art uh, for Cold Blue. And, uh, uh, so, so, uh, and no, the art is not as hot. I agree with that part. Um, but I think that these, these are, this is like just a fucking concentrated burst of really solid top to bottom fucking hardcore. As you point out with one long song on the entire record, yes. most everything else hovering in the two range. Yes. Like, yo, that's, that's an ass kicker, man. This is a fucking good record. Yeah, like, and there's no, I, I even think the longer song, the closer, eh, you know, I guess, I guess you could trim it a little bit, but like, this is a lean record. Like there's, especially where I think this is, this, yo, you know what, Tom, I think this supports your hypothesis. This band came out of the gates ready to rock. I think they avoided a lot of mistakes lots of bands make. They didn't get bloated with their follow-up records this feels very thoughtful and like, okay, cool. Cold blue was cool. Musically. We've, we're doing a few new things. Let's just keep it tight. Yeah. You know, like that record's punk as fuck. Yeah. Endnote. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so shout out on end note. Um, then there's a little bit of a break. There's some time here. Um, I'm not, you know, there's a split with suicide file. We're not going to like get too deep into this. Um, that I think's fine. Um, Kevin did bars. Yep. Yeah. Did either of you revisit bars recently? I haven't. That's actually been something we talked about 
Yeah. Lord knows how long ago, and I never did it. Did either of you ever go back I to bars? No. Okay. Let's put that on our to-do list. Um, because then, in 2006, they're, I mean, by far most popular record, Death Knows Your Name comes out. I think, is this their most iconic record cover? Yes. Yes. Most merch sold with this on there. I mean, there's one song on it that has, like I said, has more plays. It's a Millie. Than anything that they've got by a factor of a dozen. You know what I mean? I mean, you can, here's the thing. You can add up the listens streaming on Spotify of Cold Blue, add up all the songs, and you don't hit the, the streams for Animal Farm. And I will say that that song is hot. Uh, ha- that's the closest that they ever came to like bounce, you know, Correct. but, but I'm going to say that death knows your name as good as I think this record is. I don't think it has hits. Like, I think that these are good songs. And I think that the one song that everybody listens to is undoubtedly, obviously a hit people connect with it. But I think that this is, this suffers in my view from being really good throughout it almost it's almost like oh i'm penalizing you because i there's just not a massive two like two song standouts that i can go holy shit and flip that back i just listen to it and go that's a really good record yeah i think this is a very good record i am actually kind of like um it this is the record where everybody, you know, like if you are just not really paying attention and you're like, oh, is that the record where they're like, you know, um, that's the, uh, that's when they go like rock. That's what we were talking yeah, about. You know, the yeah, yeah, right, 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 right. And it's not, it's not that even close. It's not fair. No. It's not, it's not them. Like, yo, this record has more in common with disfear than a lot of people would like to admit um, this record has a lot in common with doom riders, Um, but it's, they're playing in an, uh, their tempo builds up even more here. I think this is an overall, is this faster? There's a lot more on this record. I said, it's, it's a 35 minute, 36 minute record, right? The last two tracks are literally 11 minutes and 25 seconds. So if you kind of cut those two off, which actually I, I actually really like the second to last track, Sadistic Sacred Whore, because I think it's the weirdest Hope Con gets. And it pulled me in in a way where I was like, okay, these guys have an appreciation for some weird shit that SST was doing, but they're not trying to ape that, just trying to, to siphon that kind of energy with what they do. And I actually thought it was neat. Um, so, but but if you were to cut the last two songs, all of a sudden this is a nine song, twenty five minute record. Yep. You know what I mean? Like that's wild ass. Um, I tend to agree. I think I actually like the first three songs more than I like the fourth song, Animal Farm, which is the hit. Um, and the only other song I was like, oh, maybe maybe that song, Hang Your Cross, like that felt like a banger song. Um, because I remember people being all up on that, but. I overall was like, okay, I get why people like this record. This is their most popular record. I do associate the the cover and imagery with the band more than I do the others, but it didn't stick to my bones as much as Endnote did. That's kind of my feeling. Tom? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, and I don't know if that's what they were going. For. I, I think that's kind of what they were going for, right? Like hope, like the cold blue. Obviously, there's like singalongs, there's mosh ports and stuff. Yes, they were just like such a different vibe. All those, you know, eight years later or whatever it was. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, five years later, actually, which is kind of crazy. Or six years later. Yeah, right. From cold blue to, to that, for sure. End note falls. I think in they between. were just going for like brutal. Yeah, and I think they were trying to do more. I think there was still a sensibility to it. It's a lot more driving. Um, is this an ugly record? Because I don't think it's ugly. No. No, I think Endnote's uglier. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, too. I would agree with that. I think, I, think so I honestly think this one goes down really smooth. And I again, I think that's part of the problem. I think it's the smoothest of the three in terms of, of the record. I also want to ask this. Is this their best record, maybe? Um, I mean, it's, it's a level of professionalism. That's pretty fucking nasty. I mean, they're, they're fucking, they truly rip. And I guess, um, let me reframe it. Is your favorite hope conspiracy record, what you would say is their best record. And that's where I answer. I think EndNote is my favorite of the hope conspiracy catalog with, let me throw an asterisk out there, but death knows your name is like a clear, like this record caught hold with people in a way that's almost like it, it, it almost eclipses what they did before, which seems crazy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably the most cohesive. Yep. Yep. That's it's a like good way to put like, it. There's like an artistic, like, you know, like that's like their most like artful record. The other ones are just like punching through shit. And this is more like, you know, not it's not artsy in any way, but like more kind of like here's one coherent piece of art. This is this is definitely has the most album like fully formed thought stuff going on, and I, and it's not to not to dismiss that that element of the first two LPs, but there's a very clear like hey this is what we're we're doing something here, um, and I think it shows. I think it shows with how well this stuck on people. Um. What is the Hope Conspiracy record you would give to someone who hadn't heard them before? Who am I giving it to? What's the kid's background? Has he ever uh, uh, been a Firewatch uh, uh, guy in the woods? No, this is a hardcore kid. Hardcore kid in 2021. Knows a lot, knows everything, knows all the current bands we're talking about. Knows most of the classic, like classic, classic 80s, classic, some of the big 90s, some of the big 2000s. But for whatever reason, HopeCon, he just heard, knows the name for sure, but never really gave a record a chance. Okay. So I think that Hope, I hope, I think that Cold Blue is different enough from its influences that you could hand it to anybody who likes the influences without making them sour on it. So I think it's safe in that respect. Okay. And note sounds more pro, but isn't super pro. So I would, if I would probably walk the middle course and hand end note to people. Tom, where are you going on this? I would tend to agree. I would think end note is probably like the middle. You, It's a better overview of like the band in totality. Yeah. Cause I think if you hand them, End note, and then hand them Death Knows Your Name. It's almost like two different bands. Right. And if someone was coming in, I think, you know what's weird is I think if someone was coming in from a more punk side of things, I might hand them Death Knows Your Name. 
um, and say, hey, check this out. I'm not sure where you'll fall on this. If they were coming from a moshier side, I think you're safe on both Cold Blue or EndNote. And I, th- oh man, it's such a hard one between those two, quite honestly, because I feel like Cold Blue isn't as polished, it isn't as efficient, but some of those weird quirks add to the personality of the record overall. Sure, you know, and um, and I think that's part of the reason. Like we talked about this, I think Hope Conspiracy as a band, it's just incredible. We said they came out of the gate firing and ready to go, but we just talked about how we saw them progress from each record. You know what I mean? To the right. point where they like, put out nothing that they have to be like, oh fuck. No, no, I would, I certainly hope not. And and what I wanted to, I didn't want to leave this out. And I actually uh, did a little research behind the scenes. The True Nihilist single, I was very impressed with. And in reality, if someone was coming from the more punk side or was into like rock and stuff, yo, there's straight up like Motorhead-ish stuff without being like Motorhead cosplay. Because that's, that's one of the things I think Hope Conspiracy excels at. Uh, Patrick, you said this. If they were, a f- if you were giving this to a listener who was a fan of their influences, that wouldn't turn them off by listening to Hope Conspiracy. They, there's not, there's not an element of aping in a way that makes it feel like, yo, what are you doing? And I think they did that here, where they're they're channeling more of this charging, even faster punk beat, especially on the first two songs. Like True Nihilist is high level material, and I said. Yo, okay, so Death Knows Your Name comes out in 2006. True Nihilist comes out in 2009. Yo, this isn't this isn't a band who I was like who I thought would be like, yeah, you know, cool, we're good. Which, by the way, Hope Conspiracy is not like broken up. They're not trying to play, you know, your backyard show tomorrow. But I heard rumors that they still occasionally maybe get together and write music. I mean, they should. A good part of never shitting on your legacy is that uh, people aren't mad or skeptical when you when you want to play a show. So, so I I found True Nihilist to be very endearing. Uh, certainly, had never really given it a shot, and I think this this has more of the elements that people tried to use as slander on on Death Knows Your Name, but it's so fucking well done that I dare someone to listen to this and be like, ah, these dudes, this is, it's not, it's like, like I said, um, the, the song from file three, Tom, what is that? Uh, no, no good love goes unpunished. Yes. That's probably the f- song that I start off. I think the song in the shadow of God has to be on a hope conspiracy mix. Like it's, it's fucking really good. Um, I think for love goes on there. People love that one. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's a lot no i i I mean it's 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 impressive the catalog that they carry and the fact that they don't get more note um honestly i think um i think it's pretty it's pretty nuts i i uh uh, shout out to our, our sponsor Deathwish. i have been given the uh more formal notification that they are doing a reissue of death knows your name sometime near the end of the year. So that's kind of exciting. I'm excited to see what they do with that. That should be pretty cool. Um, uh, 
but yeah, like, I don't know. Is, is the hope conspiracy overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Slightly under. In, in 2021, under. Yeah. Uh, uh, firm under. Tom, firm under? Yes. Yeah. Firm underrated. Um, because they live were a huge, they were a, the, I don't know if they got their flowers live. I don't know if they got their flowers. They certainly had good reactions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, top. Right. And 15 band in the last 20 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd go that far. I think. So what, what, what segments overlook hope conspiracy? Cause I coming from this, I think if you were into more punk stuff, if you were into faster hardcore, it's pretty easy to have overlooked hope conspiracy for a lot of the reasons we talked about. They were easy to kind of write off, but yo, I knew a lot of people at basement shows who repped suicide file and didn't hope con. And it looking back is like, huh, that was some pretty selective, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance right there. You know, (laughs) Yeah, who else? I mean, I think. I mean, you, I think it, it would be easier to point out who's giving them their props. Yeah. Oh. I feel like metalcore, like heavier stuff, has missed out. Yeah. I mean, anybody who's got like heavier, heavier stuff, I think, has missed out. Um, and I think they would certainly find stuff like, "Yo, when is the beatdown band going to go? Yo, we could take some of this shit off Cold Blue." Maybe slow it down and add in that thud part, and we got ourselves a track. Patrick, that's that's your your job for your uh, five one eight beatdown band. The <laughs> name is five one eight. It's five spelled out, the number one, and then eight spelled out. Okay, eight or eight. <sighs> Did five one eight ever eight ever do five one eight? You know, I don't recall that, which is crazy. Right. I mean, it writes itself. It does. I, I feel like it, we must have had that in some capacity. Yeah. Um, also, something to keep in mind: like we're talking about like this band, like you know, that they're being overlooked. There's twenty five thousand people a year. Twenty five thousand people a month are still listening to them on Spotify. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. So it's not like there's nothing. That's nothing to fucking sneeze at. But yo, like I agree. Am I wrong in thinking that that? Uh, that doesn't seem reflective. Of like it, it almost feels like it's it's low, right? It almost feels like it's low, and even though that's a gigantic fucking number. Right? No, listen, that's a fucking great number, and it may. I'm gonna for say for a band who I, hasn't played a show since 2014, by the way. Yeah, I'm gonna say that I saw that number, and it it doesn't fully make sense to me because the listens would seem like they'd have to be higher if that if 25,000 was maintained over the course of a year, it just, yeah. whatever. Anyway, the, the, uh, it, not called Spotify a liar. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the point is, I, th- I think that that really speaks to, uh, EVR's reach because I yo, go I think, look, look at the, look at the bridge nine record versus the, the, uh, EVR, the, it, like, I think end note and, uh, uh, death knows your name. Like dwarf the other. Death knows your name came out on Death Wish only. Oh, is that right? That's yeah, right. Man. So it speaks later, to Death Wish's record. Rich. Yo, yeah, quick, right. quick note. Without looking, because I referenced this Suicide File. How many monthly listeners? Uh, Just I'm guess. gonna say less. 
I'm going to say 15,000. Tom. That's going to be my guess, like 15 or 17. What if I told you that only 2,775 monthly listeners? No. No, it's, it's bullshit. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> now I am calling Spotify a liar. I know. There's lying as liars. But, yo, I mean, that's just to give you the concept. Like, Hope Conspiracy had a fucking grip, toured a ton. But if you were sitting in the wrong spot, I, I'm like, huh. Yeah, Suicide File, probably about the same size as Hope Conspiracy. I mean, no. you're not going to see them with Converge and like fucking – They, they toured with Unearthed and Oh, Fall yeah. Day. Oh, yeah. Yo, they did all those big shows. You're totally right. Cause they, you're not going to that. No, no. When I'm seeing them play with Striking Distance and Count Me Out, it's a, a very different show than the, the Unearthed tour, you know? Um, and, yo, yeah. I think Death Knows Your Name propelled them into a very different sphere. Like that record became something that – I mean, I feel like that was a record around that time. Like we talk about how big of an impact Cursed was and like the like fact that Cursed was this like t-shirt band, but also had an impact on sound and more so like vibe and the aesthetics. How many Hope Con shirts have you seen of the cover of Death Knows Your Name? That was a staple. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Insane. Yeah. So, so that was their merch. Like, yeah, they became Hope Con. Yep. I can I can picture the fucking goat head. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I, I do think I do think that's like a fucking fascinating thing. Um, uh, just just as a funny note, in the Death Wish on DeathWishInc.com, you click on artists. They have three sections: current, active, and alumni. Alumni are bands who uh, were on the label for better or worse, or broken up. Active are bands who were on the label, but perhaps are releasing records elsewhere, right? And then current are bands who either their last record was on Death Wish or, and they're still active, et cetera, et cetera. The Hope Conspiracy is still listed on current. Mm. How about Love that? to hear it. Love to hear it. Excited to see that reissue. That's really cool. And yeah, I'm looking right now. You can get the Hope Conspiracy Death Knows Your Name t-shirt. That was just fucking everywhere, man. Holy shit. With good reason. Um, closing any, any closing thoughts on this? Cause you know, this, uh, let me start with mine and you, I, I'd love to hear more from you guys. I, t- I fucking talked a lot on this one. Um, I found myself both enjoying hope conspiracy more and with a note that I was like, you know what? I should definitely dig deeper on this band and kind of put them more into regular. And it reframed where I thought of them. Um, and uh, I will acknowledge that like, yo, my 19 year old ass was not fair to these guys for a lot of the weird intangible reasons we talked about. And I think there's a majority of people listening, you know, that are like wrote them off because they didn't sound like this or like they thought they assumed this is a band that I think a lot of people assume stuff about. Yeah. They were big M metalcore or they went rock and it's like, yo, if you listen to death knows your name once, you go, oh, this is just a good, faster, hard, hardcore record. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm curious to see, you know, the feedback and stuff we get from folks. Like, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, it either gets people to be like, you know, I, I revisited it after X amount of time and God, it still fucking stands up. And, or I gave fucking Death Knows Your Name a real chance and, and I'm curious to see how many folks are like, you know what? I never really listened, but holy fuck. Mm-hmm. Like I've been missing out for all this time. You know, I think, um, 
yeah, like, I mean, I, I'll stand by top 10, 15 hardcore bands in the last 20 years. Mm. Patrick, how about this exercise for you? Uh, I found it, uh, you know what, just what I expected, which is, uh, this is a band that is good. Uh, I think that the literal worst possible thing that you could manufacture about this band is they're good. If you don't want to say they're great, that's fine. But I think that this is a band that if you were being an honest actor, no bullshit, you would just have to say, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I walked away with. This changed your opinion, though, because you were Endnote Stan. And where? What's your favorite Hope Conspiracy record? That's tough, man. Uh, today, I today I'm a Death Knows Your Name man because I'm feeling it's it. And you've shown fun. and you've you've stated today a lot of love for Cold Blue. Like that's like true. today, it sounds like you're a Death Knows Your Name one, Cold Blue two, Endnote three. And any uh, fine-eared listeners would tell you you've been Endnote Stan number one. Uh, yes. So it's, it's, you know what? If I can change, you can change. We all can change. We all can change. Cut it. <laughs> <laughs>